It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from Eastern Iowa, where apartment ownership and investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Apartment Specialist Podcast. Well, hey everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast where we talk about simplicity. And when we talk about simplicity, uh, I really want to drill down to investing simplicity. And before I get into some detail on at least some things to consider in the investment world that we live in, the first thing I want to mention is there is no perfect investment and there never will be. Um... There are investments that do well. There are investments that don't. There are investments that sometimes do well, sometimes don't. I mean, we can we can have a, a podcast just about analytics and um, historical returns and perform. I mean, we could we could really get into the weeds on this, and that's not what I really want to do. I really want to start checking boxes on simplicity. And what I want to do is really relate this to the investment world that we live in today. And uh, especially compared to, I mean, hell, even 10 to 20 years ago. And so, I mean, for those of you that are my age, uh, I mean, if you're 50 or older, uh, I can tell you about getting great returns on certificates of deposit and of course you know today you know certificate of deposit i mean in a lot of cases you could really make the argument you're you're really losing money based on inflation and how much interest you get on a cd for example i mean but but i'm not going to go down that road but i do want to mention to you and and make sure you understand especially if you're younger than 50 so you're um you know, you're younger than 50 years old, you know, it wasn't that long ago where there was, you know, three to four investments and that was about it. I mean, it was um, a stock, it was a CD, it was a savings account, uh, and it was uh, maybe a money market account or a bond. Uh, I mean, that was really about it. And, uh, uh, and for those of you that are younger than 50, especially if you're under 30, you're used to having hundreds of thousands of choices. And it really was not that way or didn't used to be that way. Uh, I mean, you were really kind of down to a handful of choices and that's what you went with. And so the interesting thing about the investment world we live in today is, you know, a couple of things. Number one, like I mentioned, uh, no matter your age, you're you're kind of blown away, and it's a little. I don't think intimidating is the right word, but it's a little daunting when you've got so many investment choices, right? I mean, and not only there's are there so many choices, there are so many choices in each investment category. So I mean, as you know, I'm a real estate guy. So if you just look at the real estate part of it, I mean, you cut that piece of the pie out of it. 
I mean, there are hundreds of different things you could invest in real estate wise. Not only are there different properties, there's different categories, there's different ways of investing. I mean, you can be an equity investor, you can be invest with real estate loans, I mean, with debt. So there's debt, there's equity, there's different kinds of properties. I mean, um, just in the real estate sector, the real estate category, there's hundreds of choices. And not to mention, you know, conventional investments like stocks and bonds and in some of those things. So, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of choices. So we're at a time where you've got more choices than you've ever had and it's confusing. And so a lot of people, before they make those decisions, they either default to maybe what they already know. So I already know about money market funds. I already know about a savings account. I already know about a CD. Um, and again, you know, if you skew my age or older, I mean, that's what you're familiar with. I mean, hell, I remember going to the bank, or it used to be the savings and loan. Um, for those of you that know what that means, you've got some age on you. Um, I used to go to the savings and loan when I was a kid with my passbook. And it was a really... For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, a passbook was a physical little book, like a little handbook that was about maybe six inches by four inches that you carried around or you kept as a record that had your account information and balance information. So um, when you wanted to make a deposit or a withdrawal from the savings and loan, you take your little passbook with you and you know, you'd give it to the teller and they'd give you your money or deposit your money and they'd, you know, uh, put it in a machine and it would go ahead and almost like a little dot matrix printer would print off what your balance was and then give you your little passbook back. And so, you know, rather than in today's world going online and seeing what your balance is up to the second, you know, you can open up your passbook and see what your balance is, um, you know, file it away in the drawer and that's what you do. And so we've, you know, we've come a long way from that, a uh, hell of a long way, which is, uh, you know, in all, uh, I mean, we could, we can make the argument in, in a lot of ways that this is a good thing, but the problem is now we have hundreds of thousands of choices. And so what most of us do is we default to what we know and what we may be familiar with because of fear. Okay. I'm not, not, I'm not talking scare the shit out of you fear. I'm just talking about not knowing fear. And when you don't know and you're not sure, your default is always going to be what you know. And for most people, where they invest is where they know. And for most people, they may not even be happy with the investment. They may not even be satisfied with the investment, you know, depending on what their goals are and where they're at. Uh, age, um, you know, each investment's different for everybody. What one, what one person's great investment could be another person's terrible investment and vice versa. But because of all the choices, we tend to default to what we know, even if it may be an investment we're just not entirely thrilled with, but it's better than doing what? It's better than making a mistake, right? Screwing up. And so, yeah, I'd rather take my 
one and a half percent, two percent return versus, oh no, making a mistake and then having a problem. And I understand that, but that really limits you uh, in where you can really go uh, with your investing. And really, about really, no matter how much money we're talking about, uh, it could be thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. It really doesn't matter. Uh, and so, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about uh, really just a couple quick things on this week's podcast. Number one is getting out of your comfort zone with, with this. Um, and, and really, my argument is you really have to, even though you don't want to, even though it may not feel like the thing to do, you really have to. And then I want to talk about number two, you, you know, an investment that really, I think, checks a lot of boxes in terms of um, investing in today's world and, uh, and really uh, ha- having an alternative that can check a lot of boxes so maybe on the surface what might seem a little scary really at the end of the day isn't isn't so much um so let's talk about comfort zone first and i've already gone over just a few things about the comfort zone and where you're at and and if so so if you sit down and i mean just take like five minutes and write down the reasons you're invested where you are the reasons you've put money where you've put it uh, the reasons that you've maybe done some things financially uh, that you've done, um, you will find that probably the majority, not all, okay, not all, um, the majority of the decisions that you've probably made over the last three to five years have been based on fear. Okay, so uh, I'll give you a quick example. So I was speaking with an investor here uh, a couple weeks ago about. Um, getting involved as an investor or partner in a uh, 100 unit. This is a larger 100 unit plus apartment community. And um, uh, and so long story short, uh, and when, I, when I spoke with him and about him being involved in it, uh, what he decided to do instead of investing in this investment, he decided to pay off a loan. Uh, or a mortgage against, uh, I think it was a house, and 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 so this isn't this isn't a, a criticism of his decision, uh, because again, what one person's uh, bad idea is another's good idea, and vice versa, but that is a decision really out of fear, pretty much, and that's a decision of security. So I want to pay that loan off. Uh, really because of the result of maybe not having as much um, uh, cash going out every month in mortgage payments, um, maybe feeling more secure about having a paid-off property. Uh, I mean, those kinds of things. So at the end of the day, that, that that's a decision out of fear. And, um, and again, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, but in a world where there are many other better where there are better opportunities um, to grow your money into uh, something significant and at the same time there are opportunities to insulate and protect that money uh, that is a decision of fear 
And again, far too many of us make those kinds of decisions and default. It's like a default. Um, uh, we'll default to those to those fears and do the things that um, are in our minds perceived as the best decisions. And really, if you analyze it, like I said, you sit down, look over the last three to five years and where you've placed your money and why. You may have been, I'll just say, aggressive and really um, enthusiastic and aggressive about some investments and not based it on fear and maybe taking a little bit of risk. Uh, but for the most part, most of us default to fear and we make those decisions. And so what it really comes down to is... As I said, in our world, in our investment world today, we have way too many choices. But on the other hand, some of those choices can make us a hell of a lot of money. Uh, I mean, I uh, I pick on the conventional markets every once in a while, but I mean, if you would have been an early investor in you know the hot investments as of as the day I'm recording this of like Google or Facebook. Um, I mean, those kinds of investments, I mean, you're, you, you, you're doing very, very well. Um, but at the time, at the time those investments were available, at the time that you may have been able to invest in those companies, would you have done it? Most of you would not have. Most of you would have seen them as too big of a risk, uh, not tested, not proven, and would not have invested your money. Um, and I probably would be one of those people, frankly. But you look at where those and where those companies are today. And again, I'm talking just conventional markets. And you know, all of us is, are probably kicking ourselves in the ass for not being involved in those. And those kinds of investments happen every day. But we tend to not get involved in those because of the default that we have of fear and risk. So what it really comes down to, I think, is really finding those investments that can check almost all of your boxes in terms of rate of return um, and mitigating your risk, as well as maybe even some insulation and some protection, okay? And so I think it's easy to say that the more risk, the more reward, right? So the higher return you want, the more risk you got to take. And I think it's easy to say that. And I think um, uh, in, in a general way, that's true. But uh, I don't think you need to sacrifice as much in risk as you think you do, as, the, as much as you mentally think you do. And I don't think you need to sacrifice as much in terms of, you know, worry, sleepless nights, um, you know, constant ups and downs and, and knowing that that's what you've got to put up with in, in order to achieve those kinds of returns that you're looking for. So, in other words, a lot of us think we need to um, watch our investment go up and down like a roller coaster and have a few sleepless nights and worry and wonder as a, um, as a result of investing in something that has more risk. Okay. So in other words, you want more risk. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But you're going to have more sleepless nights and more worry and more concern. 
And that's true in a general way. But there are investments out there that do provide you with a lot of box checking, like I said, without all that kind of stuff. And so uh, if you look in our investment world today, there's really three areas, three, that most investors are concerned about. It really comes down to three. Okay. Um, number one is uh, return and income. So as investors, we want the biggest return we can get. Um, and we want the, as much income as we can get from the investment. And some of that's going to be different for, I mean, if I'm 22, I'm probably not so worried about income. But if I'm 72, I'm probably more worried and interested about income. But no matter how you slice that pie, return is important, right? So we got return and income. That's number one. Number two is risk. Okay, number two is risk. Um, do I want to invest my money in uh, pork belly futures uh, or do I want to invest my money in Procter & Gamble stock, right? Uh, there's some obvious risk differences in that example. So risk is number two. And then number three is protection, uh, insulation and protection. And it's not in the way that you think. So I'm not talking about insulation and protection risk-wise. I'm talking insulation and protection in our current digital world, our current um, information on a moment's notice, connectivity kind of world. Because uh, we all want protection. Uh, we don't want our money stolen. We don't want our data stolen. We don't want um, think people hacking in, hacking into our information, whether it's our computers, our bank accounts, our savings accounts, our credit union accounts, whatever. We don't want that. So we pretty much want three things. We want as high of a return as we can possibly get and as high of income as we can possibly get. At the same time, we want our risk to be as low as possible and we want some protection. Okay. I mean, that's pretty much it. There can be some sidebar things to it. I mean, we can have some side categories to those three things, but it really comes down to those three things. And so it really is worth your time to sit down and think about the investment or investments that check those boxes, right? Because what that'll do is really two things. Number one, it'll get you out of your comfort zone a little bit to look at other investments that really much you pretty much know you should really be involved in okay um and number two it'll start getting you to stop procrastinating moving some of your money around whether it's regular or ira money and taking advantage of these investments that provide these things okay so i like to use real estate as an example and it's a really good example for what we're talking about so um so we just got done, as I mentioned before, we just got done wrapping up a 120 plus unit apartment community. So uh, this property is projected to, uh, over the next five years, have a little bit over a 17% overall return, probably will be higher. Uh, the income will be uh, fantastic. Uh, I mean, we just, we closed on it recently and you know we're already getting inquiries of are we interested in selling it for a much 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 higher price than what we paid for it already so this will be a good investment with good returns so so let's look at the boxes we're talking about with this particular property as an example um 
returns? Well, it's going to be in the high, high double-digit return range. High teens, I think, as a worst-case scenario, uh, by the way it's looking right now. Now, of course, I'm looking forward. Um, you can't predict the future. Uh, anything can happen. I mean, all those kinds of things. Okay, but the, that aside, in you know, with a property that's had a 30-plus year track record, this is going to be, this is going to check the return box. Okay, um, so that box is checked. Number two is risk. So we've got the rate of return and income box check. So let's go to risk. So risk, you've got an apartment community in a very good location. It's a place where people want to live, um, not only property-wise and community-wise, but location-wise. Uh, in addition to that, you add uh, continued demand from residents wanting and needing a place to live or people wanting and needing a place to live. And uh, as you hopefully know, we are a renter nation and will continue to be. It will continue to grow and be ever more the case. Uh, the most affordable living option for the majority of people are apartment communities. And not only is it more affordable, more people want to live in apartment communities that probably don't have to, i.e. they can own their own home or condominium, than what you would think. And there are other reasons for that. And so for, for, for a lot of reasons, which I've discussed many, many times, um, and if you want to just do your research, it's pretty easy to, to find it. Uh, we're going to be continue to be a renter's society. So what that means with this apartment community is we're already getting, it looks like we're going to be getting, based on how it's operating now, those kinds of fantastic returns and income. So we check that box. But now we have the, um, uh, the line out the door of people wanting to live there, filling out applications, wanting to live in our apartment community that will continue to grow and grow uh, over the coming years. So risk-wise, where do you think the risk is with this kind of investment? Pretty damn low, right? But, you know, for most people, when they think about renting, or excuse me, owning a 100-plus uh, unit apartment community, <clears throat> they think, holy shit, that sounds pretty risky. I mean, here, here's a funny little sidebar to this. So my father-in-law is a um, lifelong farmer. So he's been a farmer. I mean, he grew up on the farm, been on the farm, been a farmer his, his, his entire life. And if there is, um, if there is a profession or a way to make a living that has more risk than arguably m most any other profession um, or living, I mean, it'd be a farmer. I mean, you're pretty much rolling the dice with weather, um, insects. I mean, you, it goes on and on. I mean, you're pretty much rolling the dice every year, whether you're a grain farmer or livestock, that kind of thing. It's the most risky, one of the most riskiest ways to live. Yet, <clears throat> my father-in-law has talked to me about, thought about uh, getting involved with a real estate property. So a few years ago, he thought he may want to buy his own a few years ago, he thought he may want to invest in a project that we were working on, uh, but he's never done it. 
and, 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 and by the way, I've never put any pressure. I mean, if he does, he does. If he does, I don't care. It's fine. But I mean, he's the one that's brought it up to me, but he never does. Why doesn't he do it? Because he thinks it's too risky. <laughs> okay. It's kind of funny because, you know, he, he, he makes his living doing the riskiest, probably profession you could be in, um, uh, you know, year after year, but he thinks that, you know, real estate's risky. <laughs> so, um, but that's, but that's what goes on in our head. And he's a really, his, the analogy I just gave you is really good for based on the way a lot of us think. And we, we may not have that, what I call farmer thinking, but a lot of us think that way. And so, but when you look at real estate, when you look at in particular apartment communities, it checks the box of risk in a big, big way, in a big way. And so um, then you've got isolation and protection. So this is a new one, really, for many of us. And no, really, no matter what your age, this is kind of new. And I don't mean new in terms of new today, but let's just say new over the last 10 years. So you can't go a week. I mean, I just got a letter from uh, two of our banks that I'm that, that I, we have accounts at, saying that credit card data has been stolen. Uh, there's been a data breach, and so some of our information could possibly be stolen. You know, please keep an eye on you know statements and other information. I mean, this kind of thing happens on a weekly basis. You can't go a week without either being informed personally or reading somewhere where hundreds of thousands or millions of um, uh, consumers, uh, investors' information has been stolen. Uh, you can't go a month without reading about how somebody got ripped off. Somebody stole money out of their bank account. Somebody did some kind of a phishing scam. Uh, there's some hacking gone into the system and, and money's gone. Uh, I mean, there's stories over the last few years of you know tens of thousands of dollars to billions of dollars being stolen and gone all because of connectivity. And so what was never a concern for investors up to about 10 years ago is now being arguably the number one concern. And you could term it cybersecurity, I guess. Um, uh, I term it dangerous because as much as I love technology and as much as I use it, <clears throat> the thing I hate about it is uh, you can't stop. If someone really wants to break into your bank account and steal money from you, uh, I mean, they can. I mean, if they can break into our government national security computer systems and hack into all those kinds of things. I mean, do you think the government or these Fortune 500 companies don't spend hundreds of millions of dollars in protecting their information, but yet it still gets what? Broken into and stolen, doesn't it? So if somebody wanted to steal your money, I mean, they pretty much could uh, if they wanted to bad enough. And that's scary. That's scary. And when it comes to investing in today's world, especially with conventional investments, stocks, mutual funds, bonds, I mean, everything's done online, banking, all done online, right? So you can go online and check your accounts with everything. And 
even though I love the convenience, it's really risky to do. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, every time you pull that information up, you type in your password. I mean, you're really taking some risk. Because um, you never know what's being recorded, who's watching you. Uh, and I'm talking through your computer or through some kind of a computer network. Uh, so it really makes sense for us. Uh, it's not a surprise that we've now got to think about, well, what kind of investment is going to insulate me from this? What kind of investment is going to protect me from this? Okay. Um, and really what that comes down to is the only answer to that is a physical asset. Okay. A physical asset. And so you can't break into the 120 plus unit property that I was talking about. Right. I mean, you can't break into it. So if you invested, if you're one of my investment partners that owns that property, your investment's safe and sound. Okay. Why? Because nobody can break into it because it's a physical asset. And so having more of those kinds of investments that are in that physical asset category makes a hell of a lot of sense because it insulates you and protects you. I mean, another physical asset, for example, would be gold. You know, so if you bought gold, and I mean like a gold gold bar. I'm not talking about like a gold account where you invest in gold online here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you bought uh, gold bars, you now have uh, a physical asset that nobody can break into. And so I don't even know if, if, if you can buy gold bars anymore. I mean, I used to, you used to be able to, and maybe, maybe you can, I don't know. Um, like art would be another one. So a lot of people, there are people that invest in art, you know, so they've got their paintings and, or maybe they buy, uh, classic cars. Maybe that's an investment for them. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different physical investments you can get involved in that don't require, uh, or, or stay away from, connectivity. Uh, but really the one that's probably on the top of the chart are is uh, multifamily communities or investment real estate, right? And so when it comes down to what I was talking about before, those three areas, return and income, okay, risk and insulation and protection. Uh, to step out of your comfort zone, you need to find the best alternative that checks those boxes. And I mean, it, and it's not surprising that it's one of the main reasons why many uh, investors uh, get involved with me in apartment communities because it checks all those boxes. It checks them all. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, we've never had anybody break into any of our apartment communities. Not even an attempted break-in from a cyber standpoint. The money's protected. It's insulated. The returns, like I told you, this 120-unit property returns fantastic. Risk. We know what the trends are. We know what's going on. So it's a low, low-risk kind of investment. And again, at the very beginning of the podcast, I said there's no perfect investment. Okay. We don't have crystal balls. We can't predict the future. But... Us investors, if you're in the category of defaulting because of fear and just being involved in those things because, A, there's too many damn choices out there, 
B, you're concerned about the three things that I mentioned. You need to be making your list of investments that check those three boxes. And getting out of your comfort zone and moving some of your money, IRA or 401k or regular money, into those areas. Again, depending on where you're at in your investment world. Okay? Depending on where you're at. And far too many of us will go 5, 10, 15 years down the road and then regret and wish that we would have gotten involved in that investment knowing what we know now. I mean, I can't tell you how many investors I talk to um, every single month. And they tell me, should have done this last year. Should have done this two years ago. I should have done this a long time ago. I had the, I had the chance to do this years ago. Um, you know, I tell the story of the, of the, of the people I run into up at the lake where we, where Gene and I have a lake house. And, you know, I run into people up there all the time that had a chance opportunity. I mean, there's always a story. Yeah. I could have bought a house over on the lake over at, uh, Pillsbury Point or Fort Dodge Beach, or I could have bought this, you know, 20 years ago and, and I, I didn't do it. And God damn it, I should have, you know, I should have done it. And I hear that all the time, all the time. And so, I mean, you can get points for being careful and prudent and um, minimizing risk and, um, uh, in, in making sure you don't lose any money. I, I get that. But there are alternatives out there uh, that you can be involved in today that check those boxes that really aren't necessarily um, uh, uh, investments that you need to you know, know and understand and take you know, five, five weeks of night classes uh, seven online courses to, to figure out. I mean, some people like to do that, and that's why they invest in those things. It's kind of a hobby for them, but you don't even need to do that. You just need to find them, understand them at least a little bit, and start taking some risk. Start investing your money in some of those things. And uh, um, I think far too many of us get too far down the road and then wish we would have gotten involved in that investment. I mean, how many times have you heard or told the story that I just mentioned? Yeah, I could have bought uh, that property. I could have bought that stock, etc. Right. So as I conclude this week's podcast, think about where you're invested. Think about what you're invested in. Think about why, what are you using to make your investment decisions? Are you doing it out of fear? out of security, out of um, uh, um, maybe being a little intimidated by all of the choices out there? Or are you being more proactive in really looking at those three categories, finding the kind of investment that can give you the best overall results, not only in terms of return, risk, and protection, and really starting to make the decision and do the necessary, take the necessary steps to be involved in those kinds of investments. Um, because look, our connected world's going to get worse and in a good, that's going to be good in many ways. It's going to be bad in many ways. 
um, investment choices will continue to grow. There'll be more. And so everything we've talked about is not going to shrink down and make things easy, easier for us as investors. It's going to be harder for us. So that's why it's important to make those decisions now and take advantage of those now versus procrastinating and waiting. The more you procrastinate, the more you wait, the more money you will not um, have as a result. Okay. So look, I hope you have a great day. Have a great week or weekend. Whenever you listen to this week's podcast, I'm glad you joined me. And um, as always, comments, questions, uh, would love to hear from you. You've got my contact information. You know how to get a hold of me. And I always look forward to hearing from you and, um, and having some dialogue with you. All right. Have a great day, like I said, and a great week. We will talk to you later. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Apartment Specialist Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.heartlandinvestmentrealestate.com.